Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Practical Guitarist, or on Twitter as at Practical Guitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com. And donate to us via Patreon, available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. Do, do I not I, feel as sick? Yeah, it's nice that you don't look as sick. Oh, I you still I, got the bags under your I'm eyes. I'm still sick in the head. Um, yeah. No, There's I got that. bags in my – man, my eyes are watering. My wife just got back from Walgreens. She brought me my inhaler, yep. Uh, yep. which was wonderful because I was having a massive asthma attack. Um, right. My other inhaler was empty. Um, I actually couldn't find it, too, which was kind of alarming. But, um, yeah, so I have asthma for listeners right. of the show. So if you hear me wheezing or breathing through my mouth through the show, it's not that I'm stupid. I, I just have a lot of breathing problems. Um, and yeah. it's because I'm fat, and it's because... I live in a house full of cats and I have allergies and yeah. So I'm an animal lover. I uh, put my own physical health at risk for my animals, which is insane. But um, here I am. Nevertheless. That's right. And nobody accused David of being very smart. Uh, well, or me. No, certainly not <laughs> the politicians. Cause, uh, cause, <laughs> no. cause they think they can trust me to vote for them. I mean, yeah, that was ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, I wrote, I wrote, I, I, I put vote or write in, not because I did or didn't like the candidate, but there was only one candidate, so you know who was going to win. Right. So I put the word write in on my, um, my ballot without for get, our congressman, without, because if there's only one person on the ballot, that's the person that's going to win anyway. It doesn't yeah, matter how many well write in. Yeah, write something. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Just, just I show write, it's a protest vote. I was going to write Snoopy. That That sounds good. It, it's just a protest for the fact that that's communist. I that's would, communist society. I would, when you have only yeah, one candidate. I would write in Doctor Who. Uh, I think Doctor Who would be a good leader, especially for the state yep. of Virginia in some way. Um, I I was laughing because on our ballot, I looked down and, and of course they have the referendums at the end of our ballots here in Illinois. And the, yep. one of the referendums, um, one of the referendums on the ballot was for 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 my district so my county was yep. um I'm I'm trying to think of the way they worded it cuz it was sneaky it mm-hmm. said do you want the county to to oppose a 1% tax increase 
or 1% property tax increase on, on all homeowners within the county. Do uh, you want them to oppose? Yeah. So if you just That's, go right through this and you're not paying attention, you say, vote. no, 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 I don't, exactly. want, I don't want a property tax increase. Wait, I do want you to oppose it though. <laughs> that, is, that is pretty slimy. Yeah, pretty it was, slimy. it was pretty bad. My, my wife and I both went to the poll at the same time. And as we were walking out, she brought that one up and I was like, she's like, you did vote on the right. You know, I was like, yes, of course I did. I read the whole thing, but I was like, yeah. I stopped and I went, what the hell is this? <laughs> I didn't, so I let my voice be heard at Guitar Center and I picked up my red strap. So okay. those um, in the group have seen pictures of it. And if you haven't, take a look in the group if you are interested. It is a very um, interesting candy apple red uh, that's kind of kind of almost metallic. Jim had, Jim had to copy me. Kind of like a sports car. I didn't realize that yours was. I actually did not re- remember that yours was red. So that's if, funny. If I get a break where you're just going to run your mouth for a minute, I'll run out. I'll run in the other room and grab it so you can see it. They yeah, don't, they so don't look anything alike. They so really I don't brought, look anything like. So yeah, I'll I'll run my mouth for a minute with some of the stuff we talked about before we yeah. got going, so you can grab your red one. So I um I actually went to Guitar Center. I picked it up. Um, I looked at probably folks. I probably looked at. 14 or 15 Stratocasters in the last uh, month, maybe more. Um, I kind of lost count. I looked at used ones. I looked at new ones. I w- looked at uh, Squire contemporaries. I looked at the players. I looked at um, uh, early Squire um, made in Mexico's when they first started making the uh, MIM line. I started, um, I looked at uh, Strata, Strata likes. Um, of some types, you know, um, unfortunately, unlike David, who has a, a beautiful red, uh, strat here. Um, I didn't have, I didn't have the G and L, uh, and he's got a G and L by the way. Um, I didn't have the G and L's that, uh, for choices that he has. Um, and, uh, so I wound up, I, after all the strats I looked at and Dave, Dave was unfortunate enough to every time I'd see a strat, what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? Yeah. He'd say, yeah, look at that one. No, don't look at that. And uh, so I, was just, well, I was laughing too. Cause I'm like, Jim, just buy one. It's a fucking strat. Like, yeah. So I might <laughs> actually pick up, there was another mim there. It was another mim squire black one. Oh, yeah. it's dirty as all get out, but it's fine. It's a, it's an obvious player. Um, 130 bucks. 130 bucks for a 15 year old or whatever. Um, uh, almost. Yeah. 20 year old strap. Yeah. They're not highly sought I was like, after. Uh, I'm very I mean, far away from the mic. Sorry, people. Yeah. Uh, they're not very sought after, but that said, I, I might pick that up because it's, it's $139 at guitar center. Well, I mean, it's a good beater. If you want to have yeah. something that you don't feel bad about, like taking to an ugly gig or, and right. And, and well, I was thinking mean, about putting, so that's the thing. So I was thinking about putting really heavy strings on it, like 11s. Okay. And, uh, and, and for me, folks, that is a really heavy string. Uh, I have played I – had, I, had, I had my my white Strat, which I still own. Uh, at one point, I had it strung up with 13s. Um, I did not play it in flat tuning because I'm a masochist. And yeah. uh, I will tell you, it is the most fucking painful thing on earth. I can play 11s on a Strat now and probably get through a gig. Um, would I, I honestly don't think you get that much of a tonal benefit from going anything over 11. Um, I don't play 11s. I play 10s and there's a reason right now that the heavier bottom, that's one thing, especially on vintage strap pickups. 
Yep. So, so this this guitar is a 2008 um, Mexican standard. Uh, when they started, uh, well, I shouldn't say they started the Mexican standard line, but it's kind of moved. Um, now they've moved away from that. Um, now they're doing this player series and all these other series that are that have come along. Um, and really, you've got if you look at your midline Stratocaster um, group, you've got your high end uh, Squire contemporaries. You've got your player series, which I think are overseas made still. Um, yeah, and they're made some, somewhere that's not the U.S. Right, and then there's the um, there's the Mexican lines, but then there then they move into the American line, which is and then right at right at about a grand, twelve hundred dollars. So um, honestly, I, I I saw a post in another group today. I kind of wanted to ask you about it because um, we were talking about it very very shortly right before him, and there was a person saying, "I've got X amount of money." Um, what's the primary difference between a Mexican and an American made strat? And this is my take on it. I am not a strat expert folks. So before you start slamming on me, Dave's going to chime in. Don't worry. I'm going to defend the faith. Yeah. This is my take on um, on a Mexican made strat. Um, first of all, Stratocaster, what's it all about? For me, it's about the wood. It's about the feel of the guitar. Um, and the pickups, you're either going to love them or hate them. You're going to change them or you're not. Um, and the and the um, bridges are uh, slightly um, slightly cheaper than the American made um, their American made contemporaries. Um, but honestly, I don't see the four or five hundred dollar difference in um, the American made models versus the Mexican made models. So go ahead, Dave. You chime in. I'm so um, on tuners. Now, when I started playing guitar was you know late 90s early 2000s um and we had at that time we had mexican standard strats that were 350 bucks and we had uh the regular american series stuff was like 750 um i can remember the price hike to 850 and then 900 and then what we we're like a thousand now um and yeah. I know that the the Fender Player Series is like five hundred bucks for for a Mexican standard Strat now. Um, yeah, I, the high end Squires are in that are coming to that range. All right, so just 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 to answer the original poster's question from that group, um, and I think I actually commented this is like your main differences are going to be uh, quality of wood, which may not make a big difference. Most of your Strat style guitars are going to be like the body is going to be a solid finish. Unless you get a sunburst, in which case they try to pick better woods for sunbursts. Um, there was a period where they were picking shit woods for sunbursts and doing kind of shitty bursts to cover cover up the uh, yep. imperfections. Where the um, outsides were really dark. There, yeah, and and that just had to do with a shortage of wood that they were able to get at that time. Um, so just to continue down that path, you're gonna get you're gonna get a little lesser quality wood selection which again may or may not matter. Um, your truss rod is, is not as good as what you get in, in a USA guitar. Um, and I believe the USAs are not doing biflex. I'm not, I'm not sure on that. Um, I think Mexicans are still, are still two way. So in other words, they're one way, you know, so oh, yeah, yeah. tight and loosen to, to reduce back or whatever. Um, and your, the electronics are not the same. 
Um, some of the higher end Mexican guitars, and I hate calling them Mexican guitars, but the, the higher end import guitars from, from Fender, the player series stuff, um, are, I, I would say that they have, um, similar electronics to American stuff there. There's some of them actually do have custom shop pickups in them. It just depends on what model you're looking at. Um, but, but when you get into those model guitars, you're looking at almost American price there. So really it's not all that attractive to me. Um, the right. the bridges are pretty comparable. I do think the uh, the new ones are cast bridges, or, or are they bent? No, I think they're bent bridges, and I think you're, I think the Mexicans are cast. I could be wrong on that. Um, that I haven't had enough experience with the player series and had conversations with people who you know know these things to to know those differences. Um, ultimately, from a player's perspective, I think the difference is the American standard line that the the um, I guess they're calling pro series now uh, would be guitars with like rolled fingerboards, um, just a little bit more broken in feeling guitars uh, and, and higher quality electronics, higher quality labor in the electronics work. Um, I don't think the fit finish setup stuff is as big a deal with either set. Um, I will say that I think they all kind of have subpar setups to be honest with you. Um, they suffer from some of the similar problems that Gibson does in the, in the, in the aspect that most of them come off the line with a very specific spec, but if you tweak the guitars a little bit, you can get them to play better. Um, and that's just because look, they're, they're building for the lowest common denominator and they know that the shittiest guitar will play with these specs. So we're just going to set the whole line up that way. And it's easier for quality control. It's not a problem. Um, it's just something, you know, you got to be aware of. And for most people who are buying a thousand dollar guitar, you know, that going in, you're just going to make the tweaks and move on. For those buying the beginner instrument, you may not even be able to tell the difference. So it's that's that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I think the current player series line, of course, doesn't have like actual rosewood. It has a substitute of some sort, like Palfero or something like that. Uh, I think Jatoba is another popular substitute. Yeah, that's being used a lot. Palfero on the uh, on the uh, player series, I believe. Right, and the Palfero is not like uh, um, it's not I, a bad thing. It's not a toilet wood. Uh, that gets used in the SRV signature, which by for a lot of people is a really good guitar. Um, I don't think I I didn't like the pickups in mine when I had one. I had I had an SRV signature for probably four or five years. It was my main guitar, um, and you know the only the, I had two I had two big gripes about that guitar. Number one was the pickups were muddy as shit, and the uh, um, and the uh, the pickups were really bad. And then the left-handed tremolo. I mean, come on. I know, I know SRV liked it, but it, but it's useless. Like, honestly, he had to learn to use that thing. And I don't want to learn to use that thing. It, I, I no. honestly, Yeah. So uh, oddly enough, um, as everybody knows, if you listen to the show before, I'm a GNL guy. Um, in my hand right now, I have three different GNL tremolo bars. I have a fourth in the guitar in the other room. <laughs> Um, so clearly I'm invested in GNL at this point. I have many tremolo bars, um, and they're all they're You know, you can tell they're handmade cause they're, they're all just a little bit different actually, which is kind of weird. Um, I'm noticing as I'm looking at them, but I know my USA ones are tad shorter and they have, they have a uh, more angle to them. So I kind of like that. Um, I have two, two USA bars. I'm probably going to get another one. Um, just so I can have one for all my guitars. Cause I think the, uh, the uh, import bar they're doing is really straight. I could probably bend it. I don't know. I have to, I have to think about it. 
Um, I think they're made out of stainless. You can tell the USA is made out of a different different quality material too. But, um, to get back to Fender for a minute, um, I don't think you can go wrong with either line. If 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 you know what you're looking for and you're just going to upgrade the guitar, I wouldn't bother to buy an American. I would go straight for the Mexican line and upgrade. Uh, put your pickups and all that kind of stuff that, that you know, whatever du jour parts you want to put in there, put a super V drum blow on it. Like we were talking about the other day or a, uh, a Floyd Rose, uh, rail tail and just go nuts. Um, if you're going to, if you know, you want a classic strat sound, um, look at the, you know, the American standard is an option. And even if you're like looking for something super modern, you can go up to the, uh, was the lead or whatever it is. The, uh, the really high end one now that's like two grand. Um, I mean, you're getting compound radius there. You're getting uh, bigger frets. That's another thing that was commented on. Um, apparently, the Mexican guitars have a slightly smaller fret wire than the the American guitars, and they actually the, the the material that makes the frets is different. So I know that the the higher end ones are supposed to have a longer fret life. Um, I I don't know if that's true or not. I can tell you that um, my 2001 Strat, the uh, the Jimmy Vaughn Strat, I got. I wore the frets out of it and I actually had to refret it. So, um, and I, I refretted it probably in Oh nine. So when you, when you stop and you think about that, like that's a long time ago and really that's less than 10 years for a refret. So, um, it was an Oh one. I bought it in yeah. 03. So, yeah. So, um, I've had my, now my sunburst strat I've had, uh, since 2001. So, that one, um, it was an American standard. Uh, a two, it's an American standard, 2000 American standard. And it's been a great guitar, um, except that I've changed the pickups out. Uh, I put some DeMarzios and, and Seymour Duncans in there. Um, so that's what I want to talk about. So I, I just, so Strat to me um, just sounds Thin. And I don't want to say that it sounds weak because a lot of people, it's like low power outputs, high power outputs. Look, I can turn a, an output a, a guitar um, uh, down, the volume down. But I'm talking about, you haven't even taken the plastic off that thing? No, I'm working on it right now as we're, as we're doing the episode. How long have you had that? I, dude, I have only played it twice. I told you, this really? is a pickup mule. I did not buy this for my own personal pleasure. Oh, this is, oh, this is your new one. Yeah, it's brand new. How, where did you get it? Where'd you wind up getting it? Uh, good time. How much did you pay for it? Uh, it was 500 flat. Wow. Nice. And, you uh, know, yeah, I, I'm going to have to visit at, Good Time when I come out there. That's what I'm going to do. Look at the color of this thing, man. It's almost pink. Yeah, dude, it's awesome. It's really nice. It's faded red. It's it's awesome. It's uh, what they call Fullerton Red. And it's maple neck. So, yep. so Jim got to go through his, right? So I got no skunk stripe. That's the first yeah. thing. To, so it's a maple neck with a maple board. So it's actually like divided and, you know, corson or whatever. Um, actually, it's not quarter sawn, but uh, it's a two-piece construction. And then uh, the tuners are their, their uh, court knockoff tuner, which is fine. Um, they're not the be- best thing in the world. Um, again, Look at the quality of the bridge block. You can see it's shining in there. It's it's shined up and all in all pure steel, right? Wow. Same bridge as the uh, the USA guitars, complete with the same saddles and all that stuff. Um, pickups. Since you're talking about uh, the the thinness of a vintage Strat, 
this is a, a GNL or a GNL tribute legacy. It is right. their vintage Strat style guitar. Um, I don't own a guitar right now with good single coils, right? Um, this is the closest I've got. I'll be honest with you. I'm not in love with these pickups. I'm not. Um, I think they're a really good middle of the road option. If you're looking for vintage style pickups, they're all Nico. Um, I want to say they're all Nico five, but, but they might be all Nico too. I'd have to look at the spec. Um, they're very soft sounding, like uh, they got, they got some cut to them too, but they're, I, I would say they're very lo-fi sounding compared to the, the um, MFDs I have. Cause they're a flat, yep. they're a flatter response pickup. The problem right. with these is they don't have much output. So the pickups I'm typically playing are like, I believe they're around 10 K they're loud. Cause they're like P nineties. Um, right. Right. These are probably, I want to say like six K there. There's like almost nothing to them. Um, it's whisper quiet. I have to crank the gain on my amp and it's whole thing. Um, I, I, I do like the fact that it gives me some variety. Sounds great through fuzz pedals and stuff, but in all honesty, the end of, uh, this, uh, excursion, I don't know what this guitar will end up looking like. Um, one thing is for sure. I'm probably going to strip the gloss on the neck because the, uh, yeah, the maple that's... neck is glossy. Um, yep. I was told to use a specific triple odd steel, steel wool, um, okay. because that will, you can restore the gloss. should you choose to later if you do that. So, oh. <laughs> that's cool so um and now what model is that again that's the it's a uh, tribute, leg- tri- tribute legacy it's a 2018 tribute legacy and you got that for 500 bucks flat at, yep. at chicago music exchange no, no good, at good time music fuck chicago music exchange i know that's why i was like no <laughs> <laughs> no um, so if i if i have you buy me a guitar <laughs> you can they do. They got. They got good stuff at. C, or at uh, the thing is that you get some good prices. I don't get good prices like no, that. I mean, I get, that's I what a, a tribute stuff. legacy goes for. Is for I paid. I paid list for this. Really? I didn't. I didn't ask for a special deal or anything. Although I did. Uh, I did get the um, the good time discount on my Gator GoPro bag or my Gator Pro bag that I that I just got. But um, that I'm not allowed to discuss. Um, it wasn't, I mean, it was a discount. You don't usually get discounts on Gator stuff. So I was, I was fortunate there, but um, I don't know. I kind of like sometimes buying stuff like this, just at list price. Cause to me, it's like giving back to the store. I know they're getting maximum profit margin out of it at that point. And yeah. um, I feel like, you know, I want to make sure that that good time keeps going. Um, we're going to have Pat on the show. Uh, he's the proprietor of good time music. Um, I just hasn't worked out yet. So, yep. um, yep. you keep mentioning that. I'm, I'm hoping for that. Um, you know, so I played, I, I was changing today was string change day. So, um, the, the SG got a set of tens, heavy bottom because I tuned it down to D cause we're doing some music that it's easier for me to play those shapes. Um, the, uh, Strat got nines with heavy, with 10 bottoms. Um, but we'll go back to that. And uh, I put a set of 946s. I actually got another set of string joys and put them on my um, uh, ARS. And I put a set of um, NYXLs. All the rest of them were NYXLs, by the way. I put a set of 9 NYXLs on the 
Ibanez over there in the corner. And I put a set of the Dario uh, acoustics, bronze acoustics on my 12 string. So um, it's sounding very bright right now. So um, as acoustics do, when you put a new set of strings on, you get, you got to give them a couple days to kind of settle in and a couple hours playing them. But anyway, for me. So um, one of the things that I mentioned to you was that the, the Stratocaster, just like the, the whole reason I changed the, the pickups on my original um, American Series Strat, was to me, a Strat sounds thin. And it's very like, the the there's really no um uh i don't want to say compression but but like sustain mm-hmm. to a stratocaster I, I i've never met a stratocaster that had the kind of sustain yeah gibson i'm tell sorry but that's just what's that i'm i'm going to be a therapist now tell me more tell me more about your problems yes, Jim. tell me more and so when i when i say thin i don't mean that it's weak because a lot of people are like, oh, it's weak pickups. I, I just like you, I want a set of weak pickups that are boost a little more to get a different thing. I, you know, I embrace the hum. I actually don't hate this. I love this guitar. Love the feel of it. You know, this is gonna. This is my kids, by the way. This is going to my kid. So once we get done, um, that's why. That's why he's gonna buy that other one. <laughs> that, yeah, that's why I'm looking to get another one. So, um, and so I'm getting. I want to get one for me, but I got to be honest with you. I might get him a different one. <laughs> After playing that, I really like this Strat. Okay, so that's not that's not what I'm getting at. I'm not looking to get rid of this Strat. This Strat is awesome, and I'm hoping that the pickups that we get, um, I'll find something a little more powerful, or I'll be able to explain to um, uh, you know Nick what we re- what I really want out of it. But here's my thing: so it's that thinness. It's that like it's not. The weakness, it's thinness. Does that make sense? Does it? Does the word thin? You know, we use we use the words buttery and creamy all right, all right, and all right, and stuff yes, like yeah, that no, to explain things. No, no, I'm trying so, to use the word. So let thin. me so let me break it down for you, because uh, because yeah. I, I had to break it down for somebody else the other day. If you go to Seymour Duncan's website, right, and you look at some of their pickups, a lot of their pickups, and I think it comes from a specific period in their history where they were doing these these tone charts where they had they had right. a, they broke everything down into three frequency bands. Bass, middle, treble, right? And you'll find that a lot of their vintage style pickups, which are styled on, you know, the original pickups that were coming out of the Feta factory, they were treble heavy, right? Lots of treble, about half as much bass as they have treble, and almost no mids, okay? Um, And as you look at that, you can kind of infer some things about what the original Fender pickups were like from that. Um, I, of course, having had played some, you know, pretty good vintage fenders, um, at places like Chicago music exchange, I can, I can kind of concur with that, with that statement. Um, what you will find interesting is that the really good ones have more mids and they have a little bit less treble, right? Um, and it's actually not that they have less treble, they have more bass and they have more mids. So they're a more balanced pickup. So... The one, and now, granted, you can get balanced single coils right now, um, and a lot of people don't like them. And I think that's partially because they still – what they do when they make a balanced pickup is they, they try to decrease that treble and make it all even. And then it's it's like it doesn't – you know what I mean? It doesn't Then it doesn't have enough sparkle. So <coughs> – excuse me. Um, once you do that, you you've now upset the balance of how the pickup is supposed to work and how it pushes the amp and things. And it doesn't sound stratty in, in position two and uh, position 
position, position, road to perdition, position two and four. Say it with me now, everyone. Two, position four, position two, position four. Okay, so um, if you have balance pickups, you don't get the same kind of quack you do in two and four. And that's basically what I'm getting at. Right. Um, I never use position two and four. Like my whole thing, and, and actually, I you know, Leo argued against it too. Strats for the longest time came with a three position blade switch. And the only reason we have a five position switch is because people were wedging the switch in between the positions because they like the, the sound of the, the uh, pickups together. Some people did. Um, I, I, it's just not a sound, a sound I've ever fallen in love with. Um, I have used it in the past for doing like rhythm tracks and things like that. But I mean, if I'm playing lead, I know Robin Trower uses an in-between position for like bridge of size and things like that, but he's got some magic pickup voodoo going on when he does that. Cause my pickups never sound like that. Um, okay. So what exactly are they trying to get out of it when they do that? Mid- it, it's the out of phase pickup sound. But oh yeah. 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 I've seen people actually wire them that way. Yeah. Yeah. Where they'll take a three way and they'll, they'll wire position one is one and two or whatever. Um, yeah. I like the idea of having the neck on switch because then it puts the strat into full on tele mode. If you've ever wondered why a telecaster in the middle position sounds like magic, it's because those pickups that the single quote pickups, the distance between them, um, the way that they're wired up, it has a lot of impact on that. So if you, if you're interested, you can actually put either a, a push pull pot on your guitar. Or you can put a, a, a double pull, double throw on a strat to pull the neck pickup on. And then just play around with having all the pickups on, which is actually a sound I actually like, or just, you know, bridge and neck, which is basically yeah. Telecaster territory. Um, now, my S500s come with that stock, so I don't have to, I don't have to modify that. This legacy won't ever get that. I'm not even going to bother. Um, my white strat does have that because I had a coil split on it for like longest time and had a humbucker in it. And uh, once I pulled the humbucker out and went back to a single coil pickup in that guitar, I, I left the double pull, double throw. I had it in there for looks for like the longest time. And I said, you know what? I'll just put a neck on switch. Like at least it'll be functional then. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a common mod too. And you were talking, I know you and I were talking today. You were telling me this. Now the GNLs offer you passive treble bass control, right? So you get, you get a volume, you get a treble control and you get a, and you get a bass control. And then the, and then the cap values have actually been manipulated to give you right. a, a better control over what they, what each control does. So what I found with this red guitar, because I'm sure its pickups are probably a little bit, they're probably a little bit meatier than what you have, but not like world's meatier, right? Because I've had experience with, with Mexican pickups. Uh, how, by the way, do you know what year that guitar is? The one I have with um, this one? Yeah. Yeah, it's a 08. Okay, all right. 2008. So, yeah, I mean, they're probably roughly comparable these are like i said these are probably just a little bit meatier um maybe a little bit more sparkle out of these because they're because they are true alnico pickups um and i'll say that the first thing i did when i plugged into my mark 5 with the settings i had set up for um the s500s i have and of course i have another set of settings i use for my sg the first thing i did was i said fuck i gotta roll the tone knob back the the treble control um I didn't really touch the bass control much, but I, but I hit the treble control down to about five. Cause I, cause it just took off all of that, like sharp, super glassy high end. And it was really manageable then. 
The only thing is I noticed, of course, there's a lack of output, nothing that a, that a boost pedal or a drive pedal can't solve. And you'll find that many, many, many Strat players rely on some sort of boost or drive. Um, it's just, it's just the, the order of things. Unless they're playing into a right. Fender amp and they're doing a sort of cleanish thing, you're going to find uh, some sort of drive pedal that they're using to push the amp. It's just, that's well, just so, super common. So the direction I wanted to take this um, is this. So when we're, when we're looking at, uh, um, you know, the thinness of that sound, I know that in country, a lot, a lot of very famous country sounds, you listen to an Alan Jackson or whatever. Some of Brent Mason's best work is in a very thin pickup. I, that, I that would was, be really shocked if they don't wire the tone control to the bridge and aren't running it down a little bit unless they're playing country. That's what I was going to say. Cause it, it, so I was going to ask that very question. So I noticed that the tone control, and this one has that stock tone control. That's the, where that's the, the 50s wiring where the tone yep. control is on the neck. There is a tone control for the neck pickup and a tone and control the for the middle pickup. Now, Who needs I, tone control for I the almost pickup? think this was a mistake. Um, I know there's a book by George Fullerton. I need to read it. I'm a Strat guy. I probably should have already read it at this point um, where he talks about the design concepts of how the Strat became what it is. And um, I would be very curious if he doesn't cover that because that's one of the few things the Fender has actually even admitted that the guitars work better with the tone control on the, on the bridge pickup, but they don't do it on certain guitars out of tradition. It's, it's just, it's fucking mind boggling to me. Cause it's not like yeah. they're making money on the, on the repair of that. Cause I, in my opinion, that's a repair. Um, that's, that's something that needs to be fixed. Jim told me that today. And I said, I would be taking the pick guard off right now and swapping that because that's the first thing I do with any strat style guitar where the, um, tone control isn't wired to the bridge. Cause the bridge is the only real pickup on a strat that needs a tone control, like in a true, like treble roll off kind of tone control. So yeah, so explain to me. So I listened to some of the most famous Strat sounds that I love. Hendrix. Um, uh, obviously, Ray Vaughan, David Gilmore. Um, you know, I can, I can go on well, for Gilmore, days. Gilmore, and none of them sound that thin. Oh, Gilmore. Gil, so, all right. Let's, let's, let's pick one player at a time. Gilmore, boosts. Boosts. And and the other thing is he's running uh, the, the high watts with Fane speakers. So the high watts themselves are like a damn piano. They enhance the bass and the low mids, and you're not getting the same kind of frequency response you would out of a like a one by twelve combo. Those big ass Fane cat, you know, Fane speaker loaded cabinets. That I think they're WEM cabinets or something like that. Um, that's a big part of that. But even he like, there have been times. Uh, there's some solos on what the hell album is that? The one with uh, Fletcher Memorial Home. Um, oh, uh, um, oh crap. Now it's, now well, it's, it's, it's that song. Me. Okay. It's it, yeah. Final cut. Um, final cut. Yeah. Uh, Fletcher, Memor- the, Fletcher Memorial. People's Home. Less, least favorite. Oh yeah. Um, but there's some great guitar work on that record. Um, Fletcher yeah. Memorial home being the, the song that I think of. Oh, I um, love that. I, I stressed over for days over how I got that sound. And I, and I came to the conclusion that of course he, he, he is lied about it or does not know. Um, <laughs> He claims that he just plugged his guitar right into his high watt and then they went for it because he was mad. But other people have claimed he had the uh, color sound power booster running into it. And that sound is most definitely boosted with something. I don't know exactly what, um, but that's not the typical like 
high watt gain you're getting out of that out of that thing. There there's something going on there between the the guitar and the amp. Um, the other thing is you cannot discount post processing processing with Strat players. So no. if, if in in like Gilmore's case, they might even be running him into direct into the board and then out to his amp and cutting off all the trouble above five k. I mean that's the kind of stuff that goes on. Um, that you know, especially in those older record type scenarios where it's like yeah. they they don't even remember that they did that. You know, oh, I know I was using this amp. I know I was using this guitar, and there was a little box on the floor. <laughs> you know, yeah. a, you mean a direct box? <laughs> you know, it's like no, I think it was just, I think it was a pedal. You know, again, you're talking to a guy, especially when you see some of these interviews from like the seventies and eighties, like who is you know in a band that was kind of known for uh, having a drug culture surrounding it. And yeah. I'm sure that there was some debauchery and partying going on there. Um, although they never really struck me as, especially, no, not, I mean, especially not Gilmore, not Gilmore, really. I mean, it, you can, you can look at everything about him and notice that, you know, he's just too much of a, um, a statesman type person. That wouldn't yeah. really be. I don't think he's really, was really that into that. No, um, I, I think that's part of the, what attracted him to the band was the rest of the guys were kind of, I know Roger Waters was an acid user. Um, yeah. And so was, uh, uh, what's his face? The, uh, Sid Barrett and yeah. Sid Barrett. Well, I mean, Sid Barrett literally ended up in an institution over it. Um, yep. And I can definitely see them looking at him like, Oh, he grounds us and Sid Barrett's nuts. So we need somebody who can ground us right now. And that's how David yeah. Gilmore ended up in the band. Um, yeah. And- Gilmore came to the band in that, in that way, but okay. So, I'm not thinking about the records because obviously the records are, are a one tale. I'm thinking about live and I, and I saw them live and of course it's in the moment. And I, and I know that even my own memory can be, um, yeah, live is going to be processed as hell through pedals. Modified. There, yeah. no, there's no direct signal coming from David Gilmore live. You're not getting an accurate representation of the guitar. That's no, it. no. And that's what I'm wondering. So then you take, you take Gilmore. Let's, let's talk that's Gilmore. Let's talk about somebody else. Let's talk about Hendrix. Okay. So Jimmy, um, Jimmy has secret weapons. Okay. And, and I'm not going to say, uh, it's just pedals. Uh, number one, he is the coily cable, right? And he was yeah. known for using really long fucking coily cables. And that so, was, okay. Too- I was at guitar center the other day. I, I was about to ask you that question. And now, I'm glad you brought that the up. The coily cables you buy at guitar center today are often made out of better materials that will not cut your high end. So, be careful with that because there are some that are for looks. Um, the ones oh. that Gearman dude used to promote were were really good sounding coily cables, right? They were they were like monster cables, but coily. Um, yep. Well, in 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 the idea of what monster cable was trying to do, because there are people that debate you on that, and I, I'll debate you on that because I don't think they sound that great myself. But um, yeah, so there's a situation where you got that. You've got '60s era engineering. Like a lot of the pedals he would run through. Um, so let's let's th- let's stop and just kind of recant his board for anybody who's not a huge Hendrix fan. Um, a fuzz face, an Octavia, usually on the board, uh, a wah pedal, a um, uh, an, sometimes an Echoplex, but that was usually more a studio thing. And then he had uh, Univibes. Now that's pretty much the classic like Hendrix setup, right? Um, all of those pedals. I I believe the fuss face the original fuss faces were true bypass. The the um wah pedals were true bypass. Don't know about the Octavias. Um 
that probably the uh, the one that's going to impact your sound the most though is the, is the Univibe, and the Univibe was not true bypass, folks. That Univibe will suck all of the treble out of your tone, and that was a big part of what Hendrix is able to do. And then when you get to Hendrix's amp presence presence to nothing, um, yep. tre- treble to ten, bass to ten, mid to ten, a um, lot of manipulation going on with the guitar. He played super light strings. Um, and actually you can read up Roger Mayer. I believe it was like 6.5 K or 6.8 K or something that he said that like, that's what he, what Jimmy preferred. And that's what we decided was best. Um, again, also flipping the guitar neck upside down, you know, with the headstock going the reverse way, changing attention, the strings and all those kinds of things had an impact yep. on that. Um, but I think the biggest thing is probably just the signal path from that coily cable into the Univibe somewhere in that path was really yeah. affecting the trouble. The other thing is well, like, I'm, if you've seen, uh, like if you talk to people who've seen him in person, it was downright hard to listen to. Um, Cause there was a lot of trouble coming out of his, his rig. They've done a lot of post processing and all the, uh, the live recordings of that stuff to make it a little bit more palatable. Yeah. To the ear. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. So um, the, a lot of the his, thing oh, that, another thing, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. A lot of his studio stuff too is not Stratocasters. He's got tele. Um, was it? Uh, oh yeah. When Christ Mary was done a telly or something, and yep. like a lot of the stuff was done on different guitars. So, yeah. which is why I'm thinking I might get a telly next. Yeah, I mean the Telecaster is a totally different thing than a Strat, and I know a lot of people lump them together because they both have single coil pickups. But really, the Telecaster pickups, the way they're um, installed in the guitar, have a big part of it. And just the fact that they, like, in general, if you buy a modern Tele now, you're going to get higher output pickups in a Telecaster. Um, so they, they're a little bit meatier. And maybe the position of them is a little bit different, too. There's there's a lot of magic in, in the design that, that makes those pickups work for both guitars. So, Jimmy, right? There's yeah. one one more player we got to talk about, and that's Stevie yeah. Ray, right? Stevie Ray Vaughan. Now, now, there's always the, the thing, oh, Stevie Ray Vaughan played 13s. No, and that does, now, Jim. I'm not going to lie to you. That makes a huge fucking deal. No, no, no I, I know, I know. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna come out and say that um, I recently read. I don't remember exactly where, but I recently read that Stevie Ray Vaughan's thirteens were actually lighter at the bottom, although he used the heavy set at the top to get a thicker sound. That's correct from the top strings. That's correct. But you can correct me where I I know I'm not be. So I'm, so I'm pretty well versed in Stevie Ray. I used to be a big Stevie Ray nut. Um, Stevie Ray used 13s. He used a variety of sets of strings over his career. He went as low as low as nines and as high as 13s right before his death. um, The final year of touring, he was told by, um, I forget which type of doctor it is, but he has a therapist that was looking at his hands because he's starting to get carpal tunnel syndrome, like really bad. His hands would cripple up and stuff. And they were like, you're going to have to stop using 13s. So he started using nines. Um, and by the end of that tour, he was back on 13s because he's like, this is just bullshit. Like I can't do this. Um, it was with nines or tens. He he went down a lot. And then uh, the the thing with the the bass gauges, it really depended on the guitar. It depended on what time you saw him. Um, I know that he favored like later on, basically the same, you know, like a like a standard 
I would say like a 12 set or whatever on the bass strings. Like, oh, it's like, oh, it's really light on the top. Not really. It's still like 56s or some shit, you know, <laughs> or 64s on the, you know, it's like, yeah, right. it's, it's light compared to the 13s on the top. I mean, but it's still like more than most mortal humans can handle. Um, right. So I, it's just, it's one of those things where, all right, I want to, I want to, I want to dispel some myths, but I also want to, I also want to bring some into the equation, which is that, okay, I was like, if you put, if you put 13s in your guitar, you'll suddenly sound like, like Stevie Ray. No, you won't. Um, and it's not a technique thing. We've had that discussion on the show before. What it is, is that those 13s on specific guitars with a specific set of pickups have a lot to do with it because the, um, just basically the way that they pick up the string is different. But what it's going to give you is on a strap because you have almost no output. The pickups are very sensitive to to like string changes and things like that. You can get and you guys can shoot me if you want. But if you take different types of strings, you're going to get more impact out of different types and sets of strings on a uh, and, and gauges on a strat than you are probably any other guitar because the pickups are lower output. They're like six point something k, or you know, in some some cases they go down all the way to like five point five. Um, you're going to find that they're a lot more sensitive to that. And so when you go up to those 13s, what it does is it takes away all the trouble. Um, now, I don't think anybody would accuse uh, Steve Ray of not having enough trouble in his signal, especially if you listen to like the recordings, um, the album recordings. What Stevie Ray was able to do was because he had the ability to, you know, play in these places where he could turn his fenders all the way up and go into these studios and run through 10 different freaking amplifiers and um, basically pick the ones that sounded the fattest was he had, you know, he was very good, like doing exactly that. He would, he would tailor the rest of his rig to get the sound he wants, but he knew he could play the strat the way he wanted. So that was, that was good enough. Um, Again, we all know two tube screamers on the floor, not uncommon for him. Um, Wah pedal, you know, kind of similar deal with a lot of stuff. Uh, he actually used more effects than I think people actually realize. Um, he of course had the, the fender vibrating speaker thing. He had, uh, he actually had fuzz pedals built by Cesar Diaz, his technician, um, who uh, was also heavily modifying his amps. Everybody thinks the vibro verbs he was using were fairly stock. Cesar Diaz had gutted them. I mean, they were, they were almost another amp inside. That's why people were looking for Cesar Diaz to mod their amps later. Um, so guitar player I follow by the name of Philip Sacy, who is, um, he plays for Melissa. Well, he has played for Melissa Etheridge. Um, he's a, he, the guy's a monstrous player, but he has had amps modified by a guy who used to work with Cesar Diaz because right. he's after that sort of sound. Um, just the whole thing. You know, you got to understand that when you're, when you're one of these cats, when you've, when you've gotten to this level, um, you're going to make it work. And it's more about, physical preference for the instrument, I think, than it is so much um, tonal preference. I think we as guitar players can be kind of diva-esque about our sound, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, these guys, they don't they don't care. They they really don't. They just make it work, and it's, this is the guitar I like, and so I'll build everything else around it, and that's, and that's the way they go. Um, I think Strat players in general, uh, like, look, so let's, let's look at another guy, right? Mark Knopfler. He's embraced it. A lot of his guitar sounds are pretty thin. Um, now he's not only a Strat guy. Like uh, Brothers in Arms is a is a Les Paul. 
Um, but a lot of his early stuff, like like Sultan's Swing and all that, that's a pretty thin sounding strat tone on that record. I know people would kind of debate that and say, well, it's you know it's fat for you know like for a clean tone out of a strat. Um, maybe. I mean, honestly, it's 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 as thin as I ever want to get. Um, and I think that's kind of the high watermark for you know what a strat pickup should sound like is Sultan's Swing. So I don't know. I I've been talking for the last oh, yeah. 10 minutes, but, I, but I wanted to make sure we covered all those players so you could understand, like, it's not the guitar for these guys. It's not the pickups that that's not what they're after. Their sound comes so much from the other stuff that this is an old adage. You know, you used to hear this in forums all the time, which was, I'm going to, I want to, you know, buy, I want to get this sound. Right. And everybody's like, just buy an, buy a better amp because they understood like you could, you could have the shittiest hundred or $200 amp. As long as you have, or you know, not the shittiest hundred, a shittiest hundred, two hundred dollar guitar. If you have a Mesa Boogie dual rectifier behind you or something crazy like that, it's going to sound fine. Um, you'll you'll be able to do a lot better with a better amp than you will with a, a, a you know cheap cheap guitar and a, and a cheap amp. So, yeah, that's 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 all I'm getting at. These guys took that to heart. Yeah. All right. So, in other words, what you're saying to me is that this guitar might wind up being a guitar that not only do I love the feel of, because I do love the feel of this guitar, um, but I wind up loving the sound of once I get the right pickups. Well, yeah, so that's part of it. You're going to, you're going to have to experiment with the, plus I haven't taken it it. to get, I haven't plugged it into my rig at at practice yet. Now it might be a completely different thing. I I know this is going to make me sound like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, shaming you or, or, not shaming you, but like calling you stupid or something, but make sure you change the settings on your amp. Like, I don't know how many people I've heard like, Oh, it sounds like shit, but I look at their amp and it's set up for a Les Paul. And oh, going, yeah. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, It's set up for my PRS and my, yeah, and my, turn um, your treble back. Uh, like <laughs> yeah, just take your treble and turn it all the way the fuck off. You'll be fine. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> 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 like, trust me. Um, I remember. So when I, cause I, cause Jim, I used to be you. When I first started playing strats, I fucking hated them. I hated the way they sounded, but it was the only professional quality instrument I could afford. So I was like, all right, I'll just have to deal with it. So I, <laughs> I learned to love it and it took me a long time to get there. I mean, I, I swapped my bridge pickups for humbuckers and everything else. So, Oh, you know, over the time period that it took me to get there. So you could see clearly like it, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a unanimous decision to just jump on board and be like, all right, strats. This was a this was something that actually happened because of necessity. Um, strats, ironically, are the only guitar that feels super comfortable to me because I'm fat now, um, and you know that the belly cut and all that, and then the forearm contour and all that. It's the geometry of it works, so I've kind of gravitated towards them, even though you know at times like I need to do a humbucker guitar. You know what I mean? Like that that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I don't know. There's something special about you know this this plank of wood held together with 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 fucking screws and uh yeah isn't that funny i was showing my son because we had the pickup or i mean the strings off i showed him how easy it was to take it apart and um so uh and he'd never seen behind the um cavity but you know in the back and so i said all right let's let's take this part let me show you how it looks on the inside so we gutted it and um, I don't, I, I know the other guy never did it, but 
we got the whole thing. I said, here's what we're going to do. I said, we're going to replace that. We're going to replace that input jack. Yeah. I know that sounds like a weird thing to replace, but I'm definitely replacing that. We're going to replace. Um, Can I ask why? What's that? Can I ask why you're replacing why? the input jack? Um, just because um, I want to get one kind of with a um, almost raised, like the one they put on the new PRS. Um, Silver Sky. I haven't seen it. That's like that. that's a unique part, man. They don't they don't sell yeah. that. Yeah, I'm hoping somebody comes up with one. Uh, yeah, keep Me? ask China. Yeah, well, that's what I'm hoping. Uh, a knockoff. But the thing is that this one I like only because it's got. Um, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say the the actual plate. I just mean the um, the uh, uh, on the back. You know where you got the yeah. the wiring? You're talking about the, the actual jack, not the yeah. the uh plate. Right. Okay. Right. right, right. Yeah, no, so I got the, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um yeah. I would I, I, I would retention it. Because the thing's probably yeah. never been used, Jim. You got you got a good It doesn't it, you can tell. But you 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 have to yank that cable. It's it's uh yeah, I mean, you got I you got a good two hundred or three hundred cable cable installs before you're going to have any problems because <laughs> it's because oh, yeah. the hardware I mean, is uh, it's not yeah. switchcraft or anything. I mean, honestly, it's yeah. a cheap upgrade to do. Um, yep. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, you talked about you talked about I de- bridges. I'm definitely going to do the thing where I change the tone control from the middle pickup. To That's got to happen. That's, That's not, not even not a mod. Not. That's repair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, you know, the unfinished neck, I love the unfinished neck. I just found another one online. I sent you a link for, and, um, uh, I might actually order it because it's the same year, same make model. And guess what it's got in it? Got the pink, the, the David Gilmore EMGs in it. Yeah. I don't know. If I, I don't know if you're going to like those or not. You, you might, I mean, they, they might be really good, Yeah, but it's 350 bucks. So I don't care. No, you will if you if the David Gilmore pickups suck. That's true, but I I can get a new set of pickups. Yeah, you could sell them off. You'll make money on them. Exactly. Um, and it's got, you know. But the thing is that you know. Where are you like going to put that battery door? What's that? Where are you going to put yeah. the battery door? Uh, the the first thing I don't know. They didn't take a picture of the back, so I, it'll I'll be curious as to where they put the battery. Uh, door. Well, you could do like the Eric Clapton strat and just throw the battery in underneath the pick guard. Well, it just means yeah, you have to replace it every, say, you know, every I'll, six days. I can't tell you how many um, strats. That, as a matter of fact, my other strat, that's where the battery is for the acoustic underneath the pick guard. So I was thinking about, so I'm, I, I'm thinking about putting in a, um, an acoustic set of pickups on my um, PRS, the, the CE. And guess where that battery would have to go? You know what? I... I... Get it, just get an Ibanez acoustic pedal, the the acoustic simulator. Oh don't, yeah! Don't bother with all that horse shit. I, for, honestly, the, the the average guy in the audience is isn't going to give a shit. Like for the mm-hmm. acoustic sounds, you just hit the pedal and go for it, and then turn it off, and you're ready to keep going. Yeah, that's probably what I should do. Because you modern- can get them on you can get them on reverb for like seventy five bucks. They're, I mean, it's peanuts. You yep. sp- you'll spend three times that getting a, a Paizo installed. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I already did once. <laughs> well, I mean, 
I know people hate that acoustic simulator, but I feel like that's like a just a tool, you know. You got to have that for certain one things. or two songs. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I just don't play anything acoustic. That's that's how I get around that. <laughs> I could do, I could get away with doing that too because they were talking about having me lug my twelve string to every gig. I'm like, I do not want to have to lug an ovation. Plus, I'll be honest, I hate the the curve and ovation guitar. Hate it. I'm I'm sitting looking to find a um I'm trying to find a, a guitar like yours in that color scheme. The the Fullerton Red? Yeah, the Fullerton Red. Um, uh that's a standard production model. Shouldn't be a problem at all. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and, and you can so, see the price. It's the same as what yeah. I paid. <laughs> yeah, it was four ninety nine. It's four ninety nine for all of them at, at Guitar Center's got one coming in December, but it doesn't have the maple fretboard. And it doesn't have the, um, it's got a uh, rosewood fretboard. And it's got a Daphne blue or seafoam green. Oh, there's uh, a seafoam green one. Yeah. Yeah, That so I've got, they don't do the, uh, they don't do the legacy. They do the legacy in three colors. That's a, I think there's a sunburst, or it's a sunburst or a natural. And then they do a, um, they do the Fullerton red, and then they do seafoam green. The yep. S500, they do in a red stain, because uh, it's a mahogany body. They do it in a red stain. They do it in a, I want to say they have a, a burst, but it may be a natural. And then they have uh, the Daphne blue, which I have that. It's not Daphne, it's Sonic blue. Um, I had, That's the one I have. So, yeah. Um, I like the Sonic blue color. Oh, the, the, the other S500 is the, the cream color, white. Yeah. It's not a burst. I, I lied. We just don't have, we don't have a GNL dealer in this area. Other yeah. guitars. Well, Europe and Guitar Center doesn't really carry the full line. I know they don't. Um, GNL is still very since BBE, right? Same company, BBE Sound owns them. Um, yeah. They have a very particular way of doing business, and I think it's it's to honor George Fullerton and Leo Fender's way of doing business. It's a very small, like family oriented shop, and um. They don't have like the intense dealer network. They do a lot of direct sales still. I mean, Fender back in the day was all direct sales. If you're talking about like between 54 and like really 60, it was almost all direct sales. They started to get distribution at that point, but it wasn't like it wasn't super widespread uh, like it is today. I mean, there was maybe one dealer in every major city or two dealers in every major city. Um, and even then, like a lot of your instrument sales, even back then in those days, were used. I mean, that, you know, you wanted a Strat, you had to buy used because you couldn't find a new one anywhere. Um, yeah. Especially if you're in Europe. You know, they had yeah. zero European distribution. They had zero. They had none. Europe, European distribution consisted of sailors. <laughs> so, <laughs> that yeah, was... that's what I was going to say. So a lot of the sailors. I can tell you, I can tell you um, uh, even in my day, um, there were things that we would bring from America you could not find in Europe. Um, uh, or Asia, and we would bring them over. For example, blue jeans. I can make a killing. I would bring a pack of blue jeans overseas, and that would that would literally. Um, uh, so my wife would put a box together. Well, um, uh, our, we used to call it care package, and one of our care pack, one of my care packages, would be inevitable, inevitably five or ten pair of blue jeans, like Levi's, and I could. I could make a killing on blue jeans overseas. That's not surprising. Uh, there's always been that kind of quote, quote, 
duty free action out there for people. Um, yeah. I so I think part of the allure of the Stratocaster still remains the fact that it's like a, it's a space age design. If you look at it the way that the pick guard is laid out, um, the idea of you know everybody else up until that point was doing two pickups or one pickup, and then yep. and then the freaking vibrato thing. I mean, to have a vibrato you could actually use. Uh, I mean, the Bigsby was was around before that. Other people had experimented with different systems. None of them were very good. Um, right. As far as I'm concerned, the Strat is the first real vibrato. And I know there are Bigsby players out there like, no, the Bigsby, Bigsby. L- listen, you can you dive bomb uh-huh. your Bigsby? No, you can't. No. That's all I got to say. Uh-huh. Performance tremolo, the first one that ever existed was on the Stratocaster. Um, Bigsby's are awful. And I can tell you right now from from some people love them. I'm not going to disparage those people. No, I'm I'm not disparaging the people. I'm disparaging the piece of shit that is a Bigsby tailpiece. What <laughs> what a pain in the ass! It's That's only one, it's only one step above the uh, the Gibson uh, vibrato bridge, the layer vibrola or whatever it was, uh, the liar. What they were the hell? That, yep. that that thing is a turd. I've had it my is. hands on a couple of them um, in like vintage SGs and stuff. And oh, what were they thinking? I it's no know. wonder everybody rips them out of their guitars or disables them. They're, they're oh. garbage. Um, I did see I, so Chicago Music Exchange had had an SG one time and they claimed that it was the best example of a, of uh, the, uh, Gibson vibrato that they had ever seen. And it yeah. actually worked. Really? One time. Oh, the Gibson, the Gibson vibrato? Yeah. The oh, one, my God. The one that went, like, it, it was the one that goes... Um, On the 61 SGs? And yeah, the, yeah, like the one that goes up, down and up or whatever, oh, instead oh. of, instead of you know, in, in and out. How the fuck did you even play that thing? It's a piece of tin. You know, the, the people that own them, and I'm talking about the, the pros that own them, um, you read about them, uh, Angus Young, uh, Billy Gibbons, and these people... First thing that their techs talk about is the fact that that thing is completely disabled. Yeah. They put a, they put, they block them off and, um, it's there for looks. All right. But they don't use them. So here's, here's a fun one. It, I want to someday, and I will probably make this a reality at some point in my life. I want to get an yep. SG and I want yep. and I want to put a B bender on it. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if you can, dude, you seen an SG body. You've got yeah, one. I don't, I don't Could know you even if you put can, a beat uh, under in that. That would be challenge would be, accepted. Uh, interesting. If anybody knows least. a builder willing to do this for us, I mean, this is a good stunt. We'd be, we'd love to promote your product. <laughs> oh my God. You know, uh, like what you're talking about there with the SG, um, uh, uh so B benders, obviously the, the people have done the B bender thing. Um, have been folks that um, did it in the in the Fender uh, community, and it's mostly been in the Telecaster community. Is that because the Telecaster lends itself physically to a B bender? Um, so you know, as far as routing it out, I think so. The Telecaster is a thick body; it doesn't have much bevel to it at all, and right. it is a. I mean, it is known as it's. They call it the plank. I mean, yeah. it's a plank of wood. 
So yeah, it, it's perfect yeah, for installing a B bender. It plank for the longest time. It's it's perfect for installing a B bender in. I mean, think about it. It right. Whereas a guitar like made out of mahogany, a softer guitar. I mean, just 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 think about how bad it would be. How hard? Because I know I've seen B benders on Les Pauls before, but but right. a Les Paul is actually thicker than a Telecaster. Right. Okay? Especially if you add the top in, it's part of that thickness. Yeah. So if you take if you take a an SG which is like the body is like half as thick as a Les Paul and you route it for a B bender. You're probably going to route right through the guitar. I mean, it's going to be ridiculous. That's what, that's what I was thinking. And then the other funny Where, part is the end pin, the, the strap pin that you have to pull down on to make it work. You're going to pull that pin right out of the guitar. Every time you pull on it, it's going to be insane. <laughs> uh, even, even better. That's what I'm thinking. I, I'm thinking, you know, so where would you where would you do it? I mean, obviously, uh, that's why probably an SG was, it, it would be. Impossible. No, I think it's impossible. I think it is, but I would love to see somebody try. I mean, you'd have like this much wood and left. You know what I mean? It's like a party trick, man. You'd have to cover it with epoxy or something, or reinforce yeah. it with carbon fiber on the inside. That um, would be interesting is to buy um, buy a bender or buy a um, Tele body st- style body. Like even just order a cheap, um, uh, like a GFS import. or something, huh. yeah, like a Rondo yeah. or GFS, okay, and work the shit out. But it would be interesting to see somebody try to pull something like that off. I mean, I've 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 been fascinated by B benders for a long time. Um, yep, I I may actually buy one at Sweetwater this year because I'm really? thinking I'm thinking I'm thinking. And now look, here's my logic. I I intend to get one big thing at Sweetwater. Originally, I'd hoped to have about 5000 bucks put away that I could have as walking around money there. I saw something I like. Um, I'm still looking at Ibanez AZs and stuff, but yep. part of me is like, you know, I've been thinking about a B-Vendor telly, and that would be a really off-the-wall decision for me to buy. And I don't yep. think people that play the kind of music I do typically are into that kind of thing. There are some guys, and it's John Five, for example. Um, but... He's not like I see him more on the metal side of things than me. I think it would be kind of interesting to see like a B bender get used in rock music. So my favorite records are our cake records. Um, I learned just recently that one of my favorite guitar players, Jim Campolongo is actually, he actually played all over one of the cake records that I grew up listening to. And I'm laughing. Cause I'm like, I always wondered, you know who that was. And it totally makes sense. Cause he's a Telecaster ninja and it was all Telecaster like B bender work all over that record, so it's right. not a surprise to find it out. But it was a surprise. But I, but I would like was not um, I was not taken aback by it or anything. It was like oh that's interesting. Didn't know that. Yeah, uh, hey, hey, Jim, are you familiar with Jim Campolongo? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Campbell. Very much. Um. So we we've talked a lot about. Uh, Stratocaster. We talk a lot about uh, what. It, so maybe that's why I don't like muffs as much. Maybe um, or I shouldn't say muff as fuzz in general as much. I wonder if it's because fuzz to a dual humbucker. Bingo is going to be a completely different Bingo, thing, Jim. I've been telling you this all along. Single coil pickups hit fuzz differently. They react differently. The fuzz reacts. So it's the same thing. John bought in the group, yep. um, which I will not butcher his last name. 
Um, Pot. He, it's it's longer than that. Uh, but, oh yeah, his real last name is much <laughs> yeah, longer. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> which is why he puts bot. In a, <laughs> yeah. So, where were, oh we were talking about um, fuzz. Fuzz. He asked me in the group, "What's so cool about the Mesa Mark V tone stack?" Which I am going to do a video for him. By the way, since we were talking about him, he is our first five dollar level Patreon supporter. Uh, much appreciation. I'm worshiping you right now. Um, Thank you. So thank you very much. Uh, anyway, so he's talking about the, you know, I, I had a conversation about Mesa uh, on the show before and how their tone stacks work. And it's very much the same thing. The idea that, okay, what you put into something changes what you're going to get out of it because it changes what saturates. Bass frequencies are going to push something harder and they're going to cause it to saturate early and sound muddy and undefined. Whereas treble frequencies are not going to do that. So when you're talking about a Stratocaster pickup, you're getting a lot of treble, half as much bass, no mids. Now the no mids thing is a problem for me, at least for me. But the but your fuzz pedals will give you some mids back, and what you're going to find is you'll get a much more defined fuzz sound. It does not mean you're going to plug into a fuzz gym and go, "Gosh, this is this is the sound I've been missing." It just means that you're going to find it to be more controllable. And then maybe that's the jumping off point to being like, you know, I could probably do some tunes with this. And, and then that's where you get down to the path of like, okay, now I see what people are after. Um, or right. why people are interested in this. Uh, at the same time, I saw a new fuzz pedal get announced today. I don't even remember what it was. I don't remember who made it. I, it's getting to the point where there's too many fucking fuzzes out there. Um, and at some point the industry is going to have to stop. <laughs> Yeah. It's just well, what I'm hoping to what I'm hoping to be able to do is when we get to Sweetwater, I want to be able to get an ASAT and a you know a Comanche and a and a Legacy and a Tribute and everything in my hands. They don't so carry them at Sweetwater. Try to see when I really. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, no, I want to. I'll have to shoot good up time, to Chicago with you. Good time. We'll have probably Legacies, S five hundreds, ASATs. Um, I don't know because they don't usually carry Comanches. We could go yeah. to that one store where they have the uh they have that one uh USA uh GNL in the in the glass case. Really? Yeah, they have one. It one and it's in a glass case like it's like holy grail, don't touch it. It was it was like eleven hundred dollars. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> where was this? It's that one music store I went to that uh I went there actually the day I bought my my S my second S five hundred. Um Cause I was just like wanting to try a Comanche and they had one. And, uh, <laughs> I went in there thinking, Oh, you know, this is going to be cool. And they had like, it was all import guitars. It was like Jay Terzer, um, PV. Um, I'm trying to think who else they had, uh, Jay Terzer, like Laguna or whatever. And, uh, it, it was just, it was awful. It's Perry's music in, uh, Bill Park, Illinois. If any of you are listening, um, I apologize. Perry's, but your store sucks and I don't care to ever go in there again. Um, oh, you know what? I have a silly question for you. So while we're over there, what do you think of maybe trying to see if we can set up a thing to go over to Reverend? Um, well, Reverend's not here. That's in Ohio. That's what I'm saying. But it's not far from um, uh, Fort Wayne. How, how far? Like an hour, two hours? Two hours. Yeah, we could probably we could probably uh, see, contact them and see about that. I was going to suggest we do the same for Dr. Z, but I'm pretty sure Dr. Z will be represented at GearFest. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, is there now I don't know a dealer? If, does Sweetwater even carry Reverend? Does anybody carry Reverend? No, Sweetwater does not carry Reverend, to my knowledge. Um, yeah. But they would probably willingly let us come in. Um, it might be a good opportunity to uh, meet somebody like Greg Cock while we're there as well, because he's there frequently. Yeah. Um, and well, I'm now, sure. yeah, because um, Wildwood carries Reverend, um, so he started doing... Uh, well, he works for uh, Reverend. He works for Reverend now, too. Yeah, well, he's going to have a signature Reverend in January. Yeah, it's basically, it's going to be an East Sider with his pickups in it. That's, that's what's going to yeah, be. Yeah, it'll be an East Sider, which is somebody else's signature but anyway it'll be an east sider with the um fluence pickups yeah and that may be a guitar for me uh i will yeah. see about getting a b-bender installed in that could you imagine That's, fluence pickups there you go. battery and a b-bender <laughs> <laughs> but it'll work because the fluence pickups yeah. the battery is a it's a usb plug on the front right so that would work out great I'm I'm, they, I'm excited. Are they rechargeable? Is that a recharging? Thing? Yeah, lithium ion. USB. That's that's a good idea. Yeah, lithium ion. I I could do that. They uh, I think they last like twenty hours between charges. A lot of people I say they charge them once a year. As much as I want to pull this trigger on a Strat, um, or I mean a Tele, I know that I want to try one of those before I do that. Yeah, because I, I think definitely that... want to get one in my hand. The problem is. Finding a Reverend dealer is hard. Well, where you're at. Nope. Where okay. I'm at, it's not that hard. We have a Reverend dealer, and they carry like three. Yeah. They carry the Billy Corgan. Okay. Yeah. The Billy Corgan and a couple others. And when I last went in there, they had like two of them in the whole store. Honestly, they're... All right, Jim. I'm going to tell you what I think of Reverend, and I'm going to give you my honest assessment. If you've yeah. played... If you've played an American standard strat and a Mexican strat just like right in the middle. They're right in the middle. Yeah. It's better than a Mexican strat. It's not better than a USA strat. And just depending on what you're, you know, what you're going for, I think they're, they're right in the middle. I, there's some things I don't like about them. I think they're, they're the body style is too kitschy for me. Like it's, it's, it's like, yeah, you can't it's decide not, whether it's, it's super offset, or Fender. But not offset. It it can't decide whether it's Supro or Fender, and I don't know. It just seems like it seems like um, then you get these people that that uh, today that that act like they're they're uh, the uh, rockabilly kids. You know, they got the the hot rods and all that. That's what it feels like. It feels like somebody's trying to do 1950s, but but doing it modern, and so it's kind of just like a a, a waste or a, a loss. You're like, you can totally tell that's not for the 1950s. You know that, right? That's <laughs> like right. But the East Sider is one of the few of them that doesn't look like it's so. Campy. Oh, Jim, Jim, can we talk about your comments to me about the East Sider originally? Because I sure. mentioned the East Sider like four months ago, and you're like, that control plate is off angle. It's off axis. It still looks like it's off axis. It is. It's like just it the did, photo, damn. though. It's just the photo. Like it's a bad photo. <laughs> it, it, it is. Jim and I went back and forth. I was like, dude, look at the fucking photo. <laughs> so um uh Greg Cock went to um the lair. Um He's there all the time. He, he played uh well he played all of them. They, yeah. did, they did a like a 13 part series. You can tell it was taken over two days, but yeah, they released it over a month and a half. But um what he did was they played every single um yeah. version so to speak, um, every single model of the, uh, 
guitars over those few days. So they would play two a day, every day, till they got through the whole thing. And honestly, um, the the only one that really struck me is, that's kind of cool. Other than, I hate to admit it, I'm going to say it, the Billy Corgan signature. Yeah, the Billy Corgan signature is okay. I like the, um, I think it's a double agent. Um, yep. I play- uh, the, Air, the Air Hawk or the Air... Yeah, I've played a bunch of Reverends. Like I don't have anything bad to say about the, about the quality that they that they put out. Um, like I said, I think they're just, fine guitars. I didn't like the look of the Air Sonic. It just like you said, it looks like it comes out of a fifties, um, uh, you know, movie. I like it's, the Reeve Gabrell's signature. I'm not a big fan of Reeve Reeve Reeve's Gabrell's yeah. playing. Yeah, um, he's got the hardest fucking name to say. Um, sorry, uh, but yeah. Uh, they used to have a whole line of guitars that looked like just like that, and uh, yeah, I I yeah, tend they, to to like the, they had a they had a bunch of Strat style you know three three single coil pickup and like odd pickup co- configurations, at the double shot and stuff like that that had um you know P ninety and oh they still got all those they're in the Bolton series all right so like there's the double agent which is a, a humbucker P ninety with a with a um, stop tail bridge and. They've got, um, uh, I mean, they got they got a bunch of stuff like that. Like the Charger 290 is two P90s. Um, Air Sonic is a semi hollow with two humbuckers and a vibrato. Yep. Um, they use good vibratos on these. They're they're the uh, Godo, yeah, the Wilkinson. Oh, is yeah. that Wilkinson, not Godo? Sorry about that. Yep. Um, yeah, the Wilkinson tremolo is a, a a a nice design if you if you're you know so inclined. I don't think it's better than the GNL tremolo. But I think the GNL tremolo just fixed everything that was wrong with the original. That was that was basically what their aim was to like just improve the design. Um, yeah. It's certainly not cost effective. I think no. I think the reason that GNLs have stayed you know kind of around the same price as Fenders is because the hardware that they use is, is expensive. Um, yeah, but yeah, and again, like I said, um, uh, the Air Sonic looked like something I want to try to play because it, it looked cool, and and the F hole the F holes go all the way through the guitar, which you can't really tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the pictures, but when you see um, Greg Cock holding it, you can see his shirt all the way through it. You're like, oh, it's that cool thing idea. goes all the way through there. It's a cool idea. Not a lot of people have tried that. I do question the structural stability of that guitar. Um, well, yeah, it's pretty solid in, down the center. It's kind of like um, uh, as if um, Les Paul's original idea was taken to, to life only with a bolt-on neck. You know what I mean? In that it's the block of wood. The problem you know, with is wings. when you have hollow wings, you're asking for trouble. Yeah, I know. At high volumes, you're asking for no, trouble. No, no, no. If you drop that guitar or bang it against oh. something, oh. you're fucked. So, yeah, every I hope that they like got that. like a carbon fiber rim around it. Yeah, every or something like that. Oh, that that yeah. Um, and lastly, like I said, um, the other one I really had an interest to to try to play was the um, Pete Anderson East Sider Baritone. Yeah, the Baritone Telly. Um, yep. Yeah, for those who don't know, the East Sider is is a Telecaster style guitar. You've got either the um, you know, the standard T with the, with the bridge and that neck pickup, or you've got the three pickup version, which is they call the S. What? And then the baritone is a three pickup version. So when well. I was at GearFest, um, I got to see 
three or four guitars that um, Greg Koch had brought with him. He had an East Sider that's probably going to be a signature model, uh, the green one with uh, the uh, his signature pickups in it, and that thing just slayed. I mean, uh, honestly, I was taken aback by how good it sounded. Um, and it yeah. wasn't just the PA. I mean, that thing just, it just, it was killer. Um, and I would not be surprised. I, he, so he had a couple other guitars with him. He had, um, what is he like? Some sort of Gibson. And then he had, uh, it was a 335. And he had like two other tellies. One was a Fender and I think the other one was another Reverend. So he didn't bring very much. <laughs> he only used one. <laughs> he had the others as yeah. spares. I can I can say this. Um, so I've seen a couple of videos with him. Uh, he does Facebook Live regularly, yep. and he's really been playing the crap out of uh, the Reverend. Um, that I, I believe. Well, it's it's a prototype for what will be his his uh, signature. I and, wonder how uh, it's going to be honestly, different. What's that? I wonder how it'll be different than the regular East Sider, the Pete, you know, whatever. East yeah, Sider. I just I don't think there's going to be. Uh, so I understand that what he wanted was a beefier neck which I like. I like a BV neck. Um, and there were some changes because he's a big guy. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, but he realizes that the one that's going to go to the street and get sold to people on a daily basis has got to fit people that are not six foot seven with fingers that are a foot long. If it's not like a, a medium C, I can't play it. Um, yeah. And it'll probably be useless to me. So I hope yep. he actually does put out like a medium C. Um, yeah, for the street right. th- for the street version because yep. uh, I, I like I played that Les Paul just recently. They had a fucking tree trunk, and I know Jim. Yep. I know you might like that, but I'll tell you right there now: there are people that don't like it. No, I'll tell you right now that from from an ergonomic standpoint, it's not a good thing. People will tell you, "Oh, those big necks they're comfortable, and you don't uh, you don't uh, fatigue as easily." It's bullshit. It's complete fabrication. You can fatigue just as easily on those necks as other necks. Oh, they yeah, they just like them because they fill your hand. That's fine. Like that's preference, but just understand, it's not going to help you play any better at all. Um, oh no, no, no! I neither never, will, I neither will, will a, neither will a Wizard Three or whatever. So that's right. Wizard Three is super thin. All that's going to do is give you better legato because you're because you're going to have better hammer-ons and pull-offs, but you're going to have carpal tunnel a lot faster. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of pull-offs, we're kind of getting late. <laughs> oh, it's only. It's been over an hour. No, no, it hasn't. Oh, it hasn't. No, I'm lying to you. Of course, it has been. I, I was I, now we're just gonna fuck with Jim for the re- for the remainder of this episode. Got and uh, that's easy to do, by the way. <laughs> Jim, uh, what coffee are you drinking this evening? Well, I I'm drinking. Um, what am I drinking? Oh, Dunkin' Donuts uh, medium. When am I gonna bro. get them string samples from you? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll have to give you everything and just let you cut it, cut it up. <laughs> Unless probably, you want to tell me what not to send. Um, I just want to get everything and I'll just take care of it. All right. It, it'll let's, be a week or so before I do it, but. Yeah, let's do that this weekend. We need to get this done. Did we, dude, we're over a year on this, on this podcast right now. I know and, it's ridiculous. And, and I know it is I, ridiculous <laughs> because, all right. And I think I've mentioned this before, folks. I really don't take well when people, um, <sighs> When people say something about my playing, I kind of get um, – I'm the kind of person who takes it to heart, even though I know most people are trolls. Um, because I, don't, I know I'm not a bad player, but 
every time I get someone that says something that's I, I'm easily trolled, easily trolled. That's I, that's just true. I had an experience like that. I shouldn't have said that on a podcast because people are going to start trolling. No, Jim. And if they do, fuck them. Like you got to get you got to pass it, man. You're old enough now to know that like their opinion really doesn't matter. Um, most of the yeah, people but I didn't who troll grow you up on the, with the internet, you know, I I, I didn't either. A, yeah, I did. I worked through a lot of issues where people would would troll me in person, and then you know, but that was when I was really really young. I mean, we're talking about teen, yeah, preteen yeah. times, and then. Now it's like when somebody gives me a um a compliment, um, and recently, not not to brag, but I've got a lot of compliments recently, not just on my playing, but on my singing. And the other day somebody said something and I said, I just don't know. I, I gotta be honest with you, I don't know how to take a compliment. It's not because I don't appreciate it, it's because I don't know when someone is being facetious. Truth, yeah, truth truthful or cock. Yep. <laughs> Um, not Greg Cock, not to be no, not 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 Greg the Cock. Gristle King himself, the no. uh, abominable snowman that is uh, Greg Cock. Yeah. Um. No, I get, I get it. Like, I get, I get where you're coming from. You just got to understand. Like, you're at the age right now where you have no fucks to give. What, what no. is what their opinion? Their opinion for the last fifty years of your life has not really made a whole lot of difference. So not it's really, not no. going to in the future either. Um, that is true. And, and you get, you get like my dad, my dad, um, for, for listeners of the show, I'm 33. I'm going to be 34 here very shortly. Um, my, my father is, uh, well over retirement age. He's, I believe 70 or 71 right now. Um, and he is your father and my mother are the same age. He's still working. He works a full-time job. Um, the same job he's been working for like the last 10 years. Um, which is kind of shocking because he's never had a 10 year anniversary. It's the first time he'd ever had a 10 year anniversary company. And um, they, he works like long hours still like, like, and, and they don't even know how old he is. His boss just found out he was like 71 and about had a shit fit. Cause he's like, we could lose you at any time. <laughs> like, yeah, we don't, we don't got to fucking wise up, you know? Um, so, <laughs> but his whole point now, like on the job, my dad has worked hard his entire life. Like you can't imagine. I work with my dad at one point and I was just, I was just taken aback by how much skill and effort he put forth on the job. Cause that's just not me. Um, I, I like to have fun and if I'm not having fun, then I'm not going to do anything for you. Um, so anyway, so I see, um, I see him working super hard and then like he gets to, you know, like 65, 66. He's like, you know what? I don't have to take this shit anymore. They let tell me to do something. I don't want to do it. I'm just going to tell him to go fuck themselves. So <laughs> he has had this like take no prisoners attitude and that comes with age. And I can't fucking wait to be that way in my life. I really can't. When my boss comes to me and says, you know, could you work Saturday? And I'd be like, you know, could you rot in hell? Like, no, I'm not going to do it. Now, do you want me to come in on Monday? You know, cause, cause I'll come in on Monday, but only if you don't make me work Saturday. <laughs> I'm hoping that six years from now, I'm telling everybody to go piss up a rope and I'm doing whatever I want. Dude, dude, he's literally, he told me the other day. He, I'll be 60. He told me the other day, he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't really do much anymore. He's like, I, I sit in my, my office and shop on Amazon and stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, that's incredible. He's in the point where he's just collecting a paycheck. He's like collecting cobwebs and collecting a paycheck. It's hilarious. So that is incredible. <laughs> and it's incredible that you can not only that you can do that still, because so many companies, they just. Well, they so they, the reason why they work real hard to like keep him happy is because he does have 
he went through a lot of management programs and stuff when he was really young, things that don't exist anymore that are highly valued. Um, and so they value his expertise, which is they want him there as an advisor. He literally probably could just sit on his ass and twiddle his thumbs and they'd still pay him because they want his expertise. I mean, he, he designed something for the company. He's not even an engineer, right? By the way, he's, he's management and accountant. And, uh, he designed something for the company. that was like this crazy basket for, cause he works for a galvanizing firm that actually, um, used a special type of material that the galvanizing material wouldn't eat. They used to pay $10,000 a basket like three times or once every three years, right? They replaced wow. all the baskets. You might have 10 or 15 baskets, right? And he's, he came up with these baskets that they last like 30 years. And they're like, we, we don't know why anybody didn't do this. Well, he's like, the material's more expensive. The baskets are about $5,000 more. But if you think about it, you're only replacing them once every, you know, 20 years. It's a no brainer. And he's like, I don't understand why anybody didn't figure that out, but he's out there like getting the guys to weld them up and stuff. And they were all, they, <laughs> they flew him to corporate and like in Nebraska and he got to meet everybody in the company and they were, you know, giving him awards and shit. And it's like, I know he just did the, he just did the smart thing was to like, look at the problem and go, how can we do this cheaper? Yeah. Long-term wow. investment. Um, yeah, but it's an uphill battle. I won't say where he works. I, cause if anybody should ever work there, or knows anybody that works there. Um, <laughs> it's not, it not, a, not a pretty situation, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just look at that, that kind of stuff. And I, I now in my life, I'm at the point where I'm, I'm playing online a lot. There was a time I posted a video online probably 10 years ago. Um, and I got flamed like super hard for it. And I was like, you yeah. know what? I, I stopped and I reevaluated where I was as a player. And I was like, I need a woodshed. And I really Believe didn't. Or not, that's, I really didn't. Yeah. I just needed to get my chops together. And I've done that over the last 10 years or whatever it is. And um, now I feel totally confident. I, I get people who say things to me like, oh, you're sloppy. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I'd like to see you do it better. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck off. Well, um, and to, to end it, it's been about that long since I put up a real video of, uh, of fucking, me playing. It's fucking time, Jim. Yeah. In time. Tell him to go to All hell. Right. Well, he's been Jim, and I've been I, this jackass. That's right. And we and we've together both been jackasses. And we together were the practical guitarists. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Good night.